Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. That's right. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight. And joining me from across the pond, he's the statesman to my Kingsman. It's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, my friend? I am doing very well, Matt. How are you this fine uh, Tuesday when we're recording this? Uh, I'm doing very well. I'm living for the Vin Diesel family memes, which seem to be annoying everyone else online, but I am yeah. here for them. I'm assuming you've seen these. Oh, I've seen many, and of Good. course, a lot well, of them are sent to, to me. Of course. Yes, yeah. Um, anyway, I have other, you know, people just send movie-related stuff to me anyway, so, like, this has just been all over the place, and um, I'm also for it. I don't understand why this particular meme style has uh, tired people so quickly, because um, a lot of other memes go way more viral than this, and this, the variety of these have been great. Um, my favorite's <laughs> the seven one, uh, yeah, because it's, it's a bar. spoiler. But it's well worth it. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's you know it's it's funny that it's it's like one of the first times where he says it's family and it's a correct answer and not just him being dumb. You know. No, I've seen uh, just in the last few minutes. I've seen one from uh, Batman versus Superman. Yep. Um, I've seen one from Jaws, which is a good which is a good fun. So if no film has escaped <laughs> the the family of the Rogue One. Um, a Harry Potter one, which made me yeah. scream with laughter, and of course, and of course, another one from BVS. You can imagine it revolves around Martha as well. So yes, it's uh, I'm, I'm here be, for that. They even took the time to color grade uh, Vin Diesel, the one I saw I where he was in that ugly green light of Zack Snyder's choosing. I know that, that that's um, that's when you know they they're really confident with with their meme. Just for um, just for the benefit of our listeners, I've just sent John the Harry Potter one. It's very stupid, but it made me it made me laugh. I'll I'll put it up on the Bamp socials over there before the end of the week. It's just stupid. <laughs> it's just makes no uh, actually, sense. I like that one. I haven't seen that particular Harry Potter one. It, that one's good. It's a small Vin Diesel's face, but uh, yes, I, I'm glad you're doing well, my friend. I too am well. Um, for those who are new to the bloody awesome movie podcast, we take one film per week, usually usually the biggest or most interesting release of the week. And we have a chat about it, and it's always in non-spoiler form. We do release a spoiler mini-sode at the beginning of the following week. So as you're listening to this, in a few days, you'll be able to hear our spoiler thoughts on this week's film, if you really want to. And this week's film is The Forever Purge, directed by Everardo Gout, written by uh, The Purge, you know, the main man of The Purge, James DeMonaco. And it stars Anna Della Aguera, Josh Lucas, Will Patton, Cassidy Freeman, and Veronica Falcon. The synopsis reads, All the rules are broken as a sect of lawless marauders decides that the annual purge does not stop at daybreak and instead should never end. The critics on uh, Rotten Tomatoes have got together and given it 46%. Metascore uh, is currently sitting at 54 And IMDb user score is a solid 6 out of 10. It's currently uh, released in theatres worldwide. So as I said, we give our non-spoiler thoughts and opinions on this, so you're safe if you haven't seen the film. Um, Up top, that synopsis feels uh, a bit too close to home. It should never, it never ends. I thought the purge ended with the final purge. (laughs) Silly me. Instead, now we get the forever purge, where um, kind of picks up from... Uh, what happened at the end of election year, uh, mm-hmm. except the 
the the baddies have been voted back into power and have decided the purge is the best way to uh for a for a society to live we live in a society where the purge is a good idea except this time as the synopsis says uh certain people you know they decide to take the law into their own hands outside of purge night um the pur- all the purge films actually <laughs> all of the purge films just serve to prove how quaint the first the original purge feels now <laughs> Ethan Hawke home invasion sure feels very small in comparison now. Um, mm. But every Purge film, certainly s- since Anarchy, has sort of positioned himself as a commentary on so- American society or kind of like a microscopic look at what's happening at the time. Uh, whether or not they're successful is up for debate. I think for a lot of the time they are, you know, kind of surface level window dressing. And I don't think the forever purge is really any different. I think it's for me as a film that has something to say and is saying certain things about what's happening across the pond. And in fairness, many other places around the world as well, but it never sort of goes too deep and instead just falls back on the fact that it's a purge film. Um, so I wasn't really a fan of this film. In fact, I'd go as far as I didn't like this film. I thought it was meandering. I thought it was boring, which for a purge film, I'm surprised by. Because even in the ones which I thought were quite weak, the, the last one, uh, I, I at least kind of found myself still watching it. Whereas this one, I thought, I don't know, it, the, the pace was languid. I didn't, it didn't feel like a purge film, which in a way is good because I trying to uh, break out that mold somewhat, but while still you know being very much within it. But it. It missed out on a lot of the hallmarks of what makes those purge films what they are. There is a reason people tune in for these films, and it's because they go for the cliches they know they're going to get. Which I'm not going to sit here and say all of them are bad because they're not. Not not at all. I think the purge anarchy is actually pretty good. I didn't mind election year. I think JB will tell, tell you he's slightly more up on it than I am. And I didn't mind mm-hmm. the the original purge apart from Max Burkholder's character. So, uh, yeah. In short. The Forever Purge, I mean, the idea is decent. I, you know, the, it, f- well, well done for shining a light on the issues in uh, in the world, or in this case, the United States, and when it comes to immigration and um, those damn foreigners that are invading, as the film goes out of its way to tell you about. But it, it just lost a lot of steam. I didn't think the ending was particularly um exciting there were some f- decent set of pieces within there's a few decent ones but nothing which got the heart racing nothing which made me feel fear i did feel annoyance at what was happening because as we mentioned sadly a lot of what the film is presenting isn't exactly fiction a lot of it is happening now it's prevalent now and it has been over the last five years or so in a highlighted sense but it's always it's always been there bubbling under the surface uh so I, it, it successfully made me angry at people, but that was really about it. I didn't get the horror vibes, the thriller vibes, and I I, I would like them to put an end to this franchise now because I do think this is being run into the ground. But, John, what did you think about this one? I, I'm definitely more up on it than you are. I would say mm-hmm. um, I, I it's definitely a middling film. Like I, It's nothing to rush out and see. Um, I, I very much like Anarchy. I, I think both Anarchy and Election Year uh, are two of the only movies who have used Frank Grillo very, very well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I I like him. He's not an amazing actor, but he's really good when he's in the zone. And I think those two films did a good job of putting him in in his wheelhouse and letting him do his thing. He can have Um, a presence in the right film. 
yeah, I mean, he's like, and he's not bad in Civil War as, um, I, f- I forget his name now, but he he's in Civil War and uh, mm-hmm. um, Crossbones is, is the villain character, but, uh, mm-hmm. and he's in Winter Soldier. I thought he was you know, fine there too as a supporting villain. You know, he's not the main guy, but he's, he's, he has a presence. And um, I, I didn't like uh, First Purge mostly because it felt like they were abandoning a lot of their, uh, like horror elements and, and pushing for action and the action wasn't very good. I distinctively mm-hmm. remember one, the action sequence in the building with like the smoke. And I, I just remember being really irritated. I don't remember why I just remember like not liking that scene and that being a, like a scene that I brought up in my negative uh, opinions. Mm-hmm. I think this one's doing the same thing, except that, like you said, the, the subject matter is so on the nose and so, on the pulse, which is interesting because some of what they are, are guessing at, I'm assuming was filmed before it happened. Um, and it's just a coincidence that maybe they saw what was coming and it actually happened. Like, uh, speaking specifically of the insurrection in January, um, I assume this movie was shot before that. And yet there is a parallel of that, you know, the, the attack on our Congress building here in the U S um, with the, for the ever after purge. Um, and so for me, I was, the movie got me terrified because it was so close to what I've witnessed and what my actual fears are of the world we're currently living in, that we're on this precipice of an actual like civil war type thing going on mm-hmm. in our, in our culture. And this movie just got the benefit of that fear. You know what I'm saying? Like it didn't do a lot to make me scared, but the world made me scared and this movie reflected the world so much that I, I, it got, it got an advantage. Um, I also though, what I really liked about this movie is I thought, uh, Tenoch Huerta who plays Juan, um, and Adela played by Anna de la, uh, Reguera. Um, I liked them. And I think the cast were decent for the most part. Certainly those two. So I have a weird history with Josh Lucas because my wife loves sweet home, Alabama. And I've Mm -hmm. seen sweet home, Alabama, way more times than I would have if my wife didn't love Sweet Home Alabama. And he's the the love interest of Reese Witherspoon in that movie. Obviously, he's in a lot of other stuff. He's in American Psycho and um, uh, Cruise, yeah. Recently, though, he's done two Christian films, if I'm not mistaken. He did The Secret uh, with Katie Holmes, whatever. It, it has a long sub-headline afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I did not see. Dream. And then something after that um, that was in the same vein of, of movie. So I, it was weird to see him then in the purge after those two films. Like, it was like, he needed something to cleanse off the, the, uh, purge himself. Saffron. Yeah. To purge himself. Um, I didn't think he was bad here, but he always feels like a, a slightly lesser McConaughey to me. <laughs> um, yes. He's definitely got the same presence as the Southern drawl and he's got a similar look to McConaughey. Um, but so I didn't, and his character I thought was also like the most like bland, in the movie. Uh, actually, his sister is the most bland. She's just there to like nod and act like she's okay with everything. Like, uh, yeah, not the actress's fault. It's just like literally the character's written to do like nothing. I thought she did it well, but I really liked uh, Adela and Juan and I cared about their outcome. And that makes any movie like this enough suspense because I did not want them to be in a bad situation and they are always in a bad situation. It's the purge, right? Like, so constantly yeah. I was like, Oh man, uh, I was, I was, I cared enough that I didn't want either of them to die. I won't say if they do or not, but it, it had me invested there. Um, so overall, you know, I, I, it, 
it didn't outweigh its uh, outstay its welcome. It was just long enough. It could have been a little shorter, but there was nothing uh, that drove me crazy. Um, I still really like the premise of the Purge films, even though again it's starting to reflect reality a little too much. Um, and their commentary, while on the nose, and there's no subtlety at all. It's still better than some movies that have like nothing to say, right? Like it's like just because they have something to say and they don't know how to say it in a more suggestive way mm-hmm. doesn't make it bad. And um, I, I, I agree with some of what they're saying. I don't agree with a lot of what they're saying, but I agree with some of what they're saying. And uh, again, that reflection in today's world just makes us feel relevant um, when it really shouldn't. And to give credit to the franchise. It's one of the more cohesive, even if they have to, they keep having to retcon, right? <laughs> yes. But yes. It's, it, it actually seems to line up to me. Like, because First Purge was a prequel to the original Purge. Yes. This is uh, six, uh, no, eight years after election year, even though in real life it's only like, I think, uh, five years between. Um, but it's explicitly said that the person who wins the election in election year, who ends the Purge, spoiler for election year, has been had served two terms. So eight years and has been, uh, the NF, the new founding fathers, founding fathers here have taken back over and they've reinstated the purge. So that's where, where we're at now. So like just that little bit of continuity is really interesting. Again, I feel like that's very reflective of what's happening in, in America right now. You know, the Republicans had office, they lost the office. (sighs) The Republican party is like doing everything they can to ensure that the next election, they're going to have the office back. It, It, again, it feels very reflective of what's been happening in our country. Um, and but I, I think it's it's just I don't know for a, for a well it's not it doesn't qualify as like an extended universe because they're all in one line so it's just a franchise series it's doing a better job I think than some of the other attempted franchises out there to have this world building this kind of really expansive world building especially when like you said you start with that first movie that is so enclosed that was I I think a lot of critics biggest complaints was that it was so encapsulated for a mm-hmm. premise that called for us to see this big world. Um, what I think they might still be doing wrong is not building an ensemble. Like, I feel like we're always isolated to one small group, which should be good. But when you have such a vast premise, it does feel like you're like, you're missing something, right? Like there's always this feeling of like, what else is going on though? Like, why is this one area always like, I don't know. It always just feels like, is everyone like this? Because there have to be some people who don't feel the way that the people were witnessing. Of course, that would be boring to watch, I guess. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a fair complaint or if it's just a complaint. But but it feels um, like it's focusing on the purge itself now. Whereas, whereas this 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 new film, like you say, the um, some of the characters are fine, and they try to add a bit. They try to imbue more weight into the characters. Whereas before they they didn't. It became more about the purge, which is ironically what people went to see like the kind of the cool deaths and the mask and the neon lights but um i don't know it feels like they're moving away from uh what they kind of set up a bit for me um and also ironically i think the film was lacking somebody like frank grillo i think yes. to kind of who had that i would i want to say presence again but he, he fit though he fit the mold of those films quite well and i just don't think there's anyone in this film that really captured that well and th- they try to elude the way the film starts is we're following Adela and Juan leaving Mexico and yep. coming to America illegally. Um, and there's a parallel there that they don't do enough to really, I think, 
where they ha- they had the opportunity to really say something, and I don't think they they ever really do. There's a that if if there's any subtlety in the movie, it's probably by accident. But nevertheless, like <laughs> Adela and Juan's backstory and their uh, ability to handle the situation they find themselves in gives us a lot of like questions about like, man, what were you guys into? And I think that was an area they could have explored a little bit more. Um, and they only, it's like a passing, like she just, you know, I did this and it's like, Oh, well that sounds really interesting. And I kind of want to know more about you. She, they were trying to make her the Frank Grillo of the movie and it's not quite there um, because there is so much with the, like with Josh Lucas's character and then that whole thing. And um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, there's definitely problems. Like, no way am I saying this is a must see film at all, but I do think uh, there are, I have seen a lot of bad horror films over the years in, in theatrical releases. And this is by, by no means one of those. This is just a middling, you know, if you like the franchise, I think it's, it's a fine entry. Um, it's not as, it's not the strongest entry. I do. Th- I like this more than first purge. Um, and I never saw uh, the the TV series that I think w- I think came and went pretty quickly, if I'm not mistaken. But I think so, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I I definitely am in the middle, like the uh, the the Rotten Tomato score. I would say it's just it's it's fine. Yeah, it's. But I think that's the thing is it's. I I just I didn't like it. It didn't grab me. But I, I wouldn't say it's the worst. Film, certainly not the worst horror film I've seen this year, let alone film. But it is just. It just feels, yeah, like I say, middling. It, it, it just didn't. There was nothing exciting about it. It wasn't. I wasn't sure what whether they were going for that horror vibe, whether they're going for that like socio political vibe, whether they're going for the drama, for the thriller, trying to make a yeah. match of all of them. I wasn't quite sure, and I think that's mm. what turned me off a little bit because of it. I don't need just. I don't need like masks with neon lights on and gratuitous violence in the streets like we've had before. Don't need that to make it a purge film, but. Even uh, franchises which uh, something like a Nightmare on Elm Street, even ha- even Halloween, which is one of the most disjointed franchises ever, they still have those little moments in it where you know it connects. Obviously, you could easily say Freddy and Michael Myers, but even stuff outside of that to make it connect and make it feel like it's the same. And I just think that this felt it. I had a disconnect with this film. It didn't feel like it felt in the same universe. And I know there was an eight year gap, um, which also you could explain it, but something didn't quite feel to me as connective, but Hmm. like you said, I liked the fact that there was that gap that they'd um, had that eight years of, you know, kind of rebuilding quote unquote before the, uh, before the evil uh, NFFA came back in and reintroduced the purge. Because the first question I was asking is, what how did they bring it back you know what what's going on but you know that makes perfect sense you know political parties have their own ideas one gets in they introduce that great okay fine with that there were some decent performances but it just felt lacking to me in a lot of areas and i i don't always say that but i think if you're a fan of the purge films i think even some of them might be disappointed in a way that this is just as we say a bit middling yeah i mean i definitely you know, I feel like the franchise premise has a lot of potential. Um, but then again, maybe not, maybe that's just it. Maybe we keep saying that because we think, but no one else is stepping up with a better idea apparently. Right. Cause like they keep making these. I mean, Anarchy was the film people wanted after the original approach mm-hmm. cause it, you know, took it to the streets and we saw what the country and an election year kind of scratched that itch somewhat as well. We got bigger. We got to see the politics at play. And mm-hmm. that almost felt like, yeah, there's three films there. Let's keep it as that. And 
you know, yeah. what more can and it you ended. do to build the world? It, it ended with the third one where we thought now this one has, again, not retconned, but justified the the uh, re-establishment of the purge of course it went wrong that's a, there's there's a lot here that i think is is interesting it just is it doesn't go far enough to really explore it or to really like say something more with it or like okay cool this happened but now what um because yeah. even the end which without without getting into spoilers it doesn't it doesn't do enough to justify its existence i guess you could argue like you know, to really like, it doesn't stick a landing where you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. It just feels like, yep, here's another one. There's probably going to be another one after this, you know, <laughs> that's, that's disappointing. I guess that it doesn't really like, okay, cool. You brought it back and things went wrong, but now what, you know, cause that's with the first 20 minutes or so is we, it's the first time we see the purge and it's not the entirety of the film, right? Like the, yeah. the, purge day yeah, yeah. Is, is expedited it's rapid fire it's like 10 minutes or so maybe of screen yeah. time and you kind of and like, the rest next? of the film yeah yeah and then the rest of the film is some people decided that the purge w- one day was not enough despite the claims that's that's always been the premise is that there's no crime because all crime happens on one day now because we let you do it people won't do it the rest of the year and they only do it on the purge day yeah and some people said, you know what? One day is not enough. I want Christmas every day. Like, like Hallmark and their Christmas movies on right now, every day in the middle of June. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that, you know that some people would be quite happy to uh, participate in these stupid things. But um, I think what you've said there, my friend kind of encapsulates and sums it up quite nicely that it just doesn't do enough to justify the need for it other than this could make, uh, Universal and Blumhouse some money. It's an yeah. eighteen million dollar budget. It's a you know usual low budget, which is fine. The Blumhouse model, and it's currently just shy of twenty million at the box office after uh, a week or so. So you know it will it will make fairly decent bank by the end of it. But hey, look if you if if you're a horror thriller fan or you like the Purge films, check it out. We'd love to know if you think this is as good as the uh, the other films in the franchise, or you're disappointed by this one. Like I was, but John was a little bit more up on it than I was. But like I say, we'll give our uh, spoiler thoughts in a few days. So look out for that. So now we're going to move on to our next segment, which is simply called Chuffed Headlines. And here, John and myself, we uh, select a headline from the world of movie and pop culture news that caught our attention for whatever reason we wanted it to be. And we tell you guys all about it. So, John, uh, what have you gone for this week? I went for the sad headline. Um, I say sad with a, a a little bit of a caveat because uh, we lost a iconic director, but he was 91. So you can't be like too sad. Like he can be sad, but you also, he's 91. Like his, you can't mm-hmm. so far we've yet to invent uh, immortality. Um, and so Richard Donner passed away. Most famous for, uh, I would say Superman, but uh, Lethal Weapon and The Goonies, as well as many, many other films. But the those Omen. are the big three. What, what, was, what did you just say? The Omen. Ah, kind of yes. first big breakthrough, I'd say. Um, you know, it's always sad when we lose an artist uh, who has impacted our individual like movie lives or, or whatever, however you want to say that. And um, this was no different. Uh, it, it also, it did... Uh, make me very aware of some of our other like favorite directors in their ages. Uh, um, so like, I can't imagine, and I know it will happen eventually. Uh, we'll, we'll get that horrible Steven Spielberg passed away kind of thing. And that, 
that's I don't know how I'll take that. I think I will lose it. Um, so I'm hoping it's a long time from now. But yeah, um, Superman. Uh, you know, I am not a big Superman fan. Uh, as far as like the character. I do like that movie. I don't love that movie as much as some people. For me, Batman was always my entry point. So Tim Burton's Batman was my first like big superhero movie mm-hmm. um, that I loved. And I, I came to Superman kind of after and I felt it. by comparison, those two characters are inherently one feels much campier and silly, which is what Superman was going for. And I think it's, I think it's very good at that. Um, also, I was, I didn't see the Goonies until a few years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I did not grow oh, up wow. with that movie. Um, for some reason or another, I just never got into it. I do. However, I love lethal weapon, um, which he did. Um, you know, that's a movie that I, I've seen way too many times. Like, <laughs> um, uh, and I, I like the first and second one a whole lot. Um, third one's all right. And lethal weapon four is not so good. I also, um, I'm a big fan of Maverick. Like, yep. I used to walk around with a, a pack of cards, uh, because, <laughs> of that movie. So like I, um, I, I, you know, Donner had a lot of impact on me, uh, with those movies alone. And there's a few others that I'd seen, um, that I liked like, Oh, Scrooge, for example, Bill Murray. Uh, I love that. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, so, you know, rest in peace, Richard Donner, very sad whenever we have someone go, but again, 91 years, I hope I can make it to 91 at least, you know? So, okay. Yep. Uh, echo everything you've just said there my friend when we it's a it's a sad part of life however like we always mention on like on astrology when we talk about these this section that the legacy that obviously someone like richard donner has left behind is uh is huge you know i mean he gave us he gave us the superman in 78 with uh to some people still the quintessential superman and christopher reeve for horror fans he gave us one of the classics of the genre the omen and all of the um, memorable moments from that film for the, for us for those of us growing up, I remember sitting down watching The Goonies as a kid, and I still love that film now. And again, the action fans and comedy you get Lethal Weapon. Um, so, and he's been put behind, you know, his production company uh, was behind like, the X Men franchises way back as well. So, Richard Donner's had a hand in a lot of things that we've mm. all known and loved growing up. And like you say, ninety one is. Uh, it's certainly a good innings, but it's always it's always a shame, and it does make you obviously reflect on mortality. You mentioned Spielberg, I think more ahead, you know, the, someone like John Williams. I can't imagine a world without John Williams. Um, but the best thing we can do, as you mentioned, celebrate the celebrate the achievements and the legacy left behind by somebody like uh, Mister Donner, and uh, offer our condolences to friends and family. So uh, let's all celebrate it by watching one of Richard Donner's films this weekend, because I am going to watch the Omen at some point in the next few days. So um, I agree with everything you just said there, JB. It's never nice to have to talk about, but uh, let's, let's turn it into celebration instead. It's uh, indeed it's left behind a legacy. So um, my headline is um, something not quite as, not quite as sad, but uh, it may still ruffle a few feathers. However, I did read the article before allowing my feathers to be ruffled. This is a, a story which has been good. It's been, it's been touted for a long time and it's been in, confirmed, quote unquote, for about the last year. But uh, the headline I've gone for, it comes from the mouth of Jason Blum. And he says, the Exorcist sequel will surprise the skeptics. Now, for the last few years, rumours have been swirling that... Uh, Morgan Creek were going to allow a, a remake of the greatest film of all time and that Blumhouse were going to uh, head it up. But it's now come to light that 
it's not a remake. You know, Boom Pow aren't that silly. Instead, they are um, sort of soft rebooting the franchise by ha- by making another film set in the world of The Exorcist. However, this one is a direct sequel to the first film, so it would ignore the events of 2, 3, and all the other ones. Uh, and it's going to be headed up by David Gordon Green, apparently, who has obviously done something mm. very similar with Halloween. 2018's Halloween was a direct sequel to Carpenter's 70s Halloween and ignored all of the other ones. This is what Jason Blum has said is going to happen um, here. So, again, there's no, no news about story, no news about when it's actually... Like, absolutely coming out but jason bloom says that there's a you know there's they've got to live up to something here that you know there's there's a lot of people who are going to be annoyed at the fact they're even going near it um me not included because if it's a sequel fine you know you, it's not besmirching the the original but uh interestingly he said uh jason bloom said he said most of the audience come to this 95 percent of them will not have seen the first exorcist or even heard of it i think i may disagree somewhat with his numbers there 95% is quite high to just to not at least not have heard of it and maybe they haven't seen it but I'm sure everyone's heard of it um but he said he said I want to make a movie for people that know and love the first exorcist and are furious that we're doing this but somehow drag themselves to the theater I want them to come out happy and I want to make a movie that people who've never heard of the exorcist really enjoy I think David did that with Halloween and I think he'll do that with the exorcist also um so whilst i applaud jason bloom for thinking people have never heard of the exorcist or halloween um i'm you know i'm i'm here for a, a sequel I, I am sad that they will uh wreck on exorcist 3 because i think that's a damn fine film uh not so much a second one but look i, I there's it's not a remake so i can i can sleep easily and i would quite happily sit down and watch a direct sequel to the first film because you never know it might just be bloody good so um you see that you've seen this john you've just watched the exorcist 2 knowing that now it's not going to be canon so you must be crushed but what do you think about these comments i know Um, the film was the film didn't do that but this article did yeah so i um i want to say i i trust jason blum but i've seen like truth or dare and uh what was the um the tv show fantasy island is that it oh god yeah so he he hasn't been batting a thousand by any means, but um, he's he's very good at making low budget horror films that make a profit. Uh, yeah. So, um, but in response to that comment about people not knowing The Exorcist, I was watching a TikTok earlier, and this guy was positing a conspiracy theory that uh, things like the dark and heights are we understand to be like evolutionary fears that like humans evolved to be afraid of those things because that's a lot. You know, there's hazard there right yeah and he goes on to argue that people are afraid of dolls who like children are afraid of like dolls right like so it it implies that at some point maybe we were hunted by human-like things that were not quite human or something like that okay in in explaining that he goes you know um you see like people afraid of dolls in movies like annabelle and i was just like hold up that's the new, like, for me, when I think of, like, <laughs> scary dolls, I, I think child's play, right? And I'm, yeah. like, I'm so old now that now there's it's been replaced with Annabelle, and in my head, yeah. that's not okay, you know? It's like, no, 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 no. And so maybe it's the same thing. It's like, we think exorcists, but maybe people who are, like, in their teens right now have never even heard of the exorcist, you know what I'm saying? Could like, be right, and that would be, I'm going to, I'm going to test it this year. I'm going to ask, uh, I'll do a survey with my film students to see if they've seen the exorcist <laughs> or not. See if they've um, even heard of it as well. Right, yeah. What can you tell me what it is? They're like, uh, 
they'll probably be like of Emily Rose. Like no, that's it. The, the last exorcism like part two. Uh, um, that was my American accent. If if ninety five percent of them haven't heard of it, I will. Um, I'll eat my hat. Ah, I was gonna say your shorts, but okay, hat's fine. Um, <laughs> cleaner. Yeah, but you know, I, I don't, I don't know how good Halloween. Whatever, it's just Halloween, right? The, the one that they just redid. The sequel to Halloween is simply called Halloween. I don't know how good it would be <laughs> if you hadn't seen the first one. You know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah. Blum made it sound like you could have gone into that without knowing the first film. I'm like, no, it's a it's direct totally sequel didn't. to that first film. I feel like it would be very discombobulating. Um, yeah. But I could be wrong. I really liked what David Gordon Green did uh, with that movie. Same. I'm very excited about Halloween Kills. Um, oh, damn, same. I, I don't like, I think the trailer shows way too much. Uh, and if, it, if I'm wrong, if there's so much that they didn't show, I will be surprised because they show a lot of stuff in this trailer. Um, and that's probably not the filmmaker's decision. They always have someone else cutting the trailer and yeah, they're studio, trying to sell the movie. Yeah. But, um, but Blum has made some interesting choices with stuff like this. Obviously, uh, the Blumhouse take on the, dark uh universe the invisible man surprised yeah. everybody um i thought that movie was fantastic and so maybe he's right maybe this will be really great so I'm, I'm definitely on board to see it yep so and if it comes out at some point soon maybe i'll fly over to the states and we'll watch it together john ah, uh, no, we could maybe watch the first one uh and then go to the theater and watch uh, oh i would be cool if, if they do a re-release of the exorcist in theaters cool. though I'll have to make sure I don't watch it that month then, just in case I have watched it in the last few months again. And I heard you on, you did mention on, on the, uh, movie club, which you have to go and listen to everyone anyway, with, um, JB and, uh, JB and, uh, Corey talking about the heretic and, he, and JB once again said, I don't know how that lunatic Matt watches it for comfort. And I'm thinking, well, neither do I, but it's so damn appealing <laughs> to me. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, had it been a straight up remake, uh, no, I don't. I don't think Jason Bloom could have said anything to console my um, tears. But uh, it seems like we're slightly up on that one then. So, um, well, that's what's coming out in the future. Let's move on to media consumption, which is our next segment where we both um, discuss the movies, television shows, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours, uh, comic books, whatever that we've used to pass the time since the previous episode. So, JB, what have you been checking out? So I, I am the forever stan of the Blank Check podcast, and uh, we just concluded the John Singleton uh, series um, with the abduction, which you got my like live tweets. Um, oh yeah, you, kind of thing. Uh, because oh man, um, not not the best uh, movie. But um, so I don't know if you know who's up next for their director series, but yeah, I'm going to talk about that momentarily because they're taking a couple of weeks in between uh, to do a few extra movies. So they're going to be covering, um, they do, uh, Ben is the producer. He's not technically a co-host, but over the years he's kind of become like a third host mm-hmm. and uh, they do Ben episodes. So like a movie that Ben loves. So they're doing Joe dirt next week, which I've seen way too many times. I'm, I haven't watched it in years, but I was a big fan of that when I was in high school. Um, and I can probably quote it too much. Uh, so I'm excited <laughs> to hear their take on Joe dirt. Um, they're then doing, I think they're doing the, the new Space Jam because they did the other Space Jam for um, Griffin's brother was on an episode, and that was a movie he brought. James uh, was a big like Space Jam fan. Um, 
so they're doing the new Space Jam, and they're doing one more like one off episode before we get to the next director series. Mm-hmm. But uh, the next director series was voted on by the fans in a March Madness series, and John Carpenter won. Um, so oh, yes, I, I've seen a lot of Carpenter films, but I've never seen Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, his first film, which I'm not going to remember the name of, off Dark the top Star. Of my head. Dark Star, which is apparently on. I think it's on Canopy or uh, Hoopla, the library <laughs> rental services. I think it's also um, on YouTube as well. Very cool. I'm going to be watching that uh, soon because I have not seen that one. And I, I've seen a big chunk of his 80s stuff. There's uh, a couple in the late 80s and one or, one or two in the 90s that I've never seen, um, including Escape from L.A. I've only seen Escape from New York. Um, we did. So, yeah, I'm like, uh, L.A. is supposed to be real bad. Uh, and, <laughs> and I'm also and doing I, a carbon to watch through as well, which is quite handy. Oh. So we can both discuss it together. Very cool. Um, so I'm up to yeah, Christine I, at the minute. Oh, nice. I, I'm, I have seen Christine, but it's been a long time. Like I saw yeah. that as a kid. Um, yeah, I'm excited to, to dive into the films of his that I've not seen, including um, the one with Sam Neill, uh, Mouth of Madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mid 90s. That's when I, I've had on my radar for a while because I'm a big Sam Neill fan and I like mm-hmm. to see more of his stuff. Um, I'm a, to be fair, I'm a big Jurassic Park fan. And Sam Neill is a big part of that. And that's why I'm a big Sam Neill fan. But then he did Hunt for the Wilder People. And I love that. Uh, (sighs) Even though he's just kind of playing the New Zealand version of Grant. Like, it's it's very much the similar character. But uh, yeah, that episode, Abduction, really good. Um, I also, uh, on the Patreon fee, which I am a member of because I do love this podcast so much, um, they're covering Twilight films. So I will be talking about the second of the Breaking Dawn films in a moment. Um, I'm a, I talked last year about Dave. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. H, uh, it's a Hulu FX series um, about Little Dicky the rapper. Uh, season one is fantastic, and I just feel like not enough people have watched it. Um, everyone should watch Dave. And then season two is underway now. Uh, I've seen the first four episodes. I love the show. It is so refreshing, episode to episode. Um, there's so many little things they do. I think they do so so well. Um, it's they're definitely not afraid to push boundaries and they are ridiculously silly, but they can be very, uh, very powerful too, while still being fun. I, I just think it's, it's such a, sh- uh, such a good show. Definitely worth checking out. Okay. Movie wise. Um, I can, for the first time actually say my thoughts on this film because we, while we're recording on Tuesday, this episode drops on Thursday, which is when the embargo is lifted and it's summertime. Yeah. Um, Summertime is the new Carlos Lopez Estrada film who directed Blindspotting, which is one of my top 50 films of all time. Uh, I love Blindspotting. It's actually, I think, even in my top 20 at this point. It's your favorite film with a lot of the 10s, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, I, I adore that movie so, so much. And um, while a lot of that has to do with the writers, Rafael Casal and David Diggs, I like what Carlos did uh, visually in the movie. Yep. And Summertime... Um, I don't know if you caught this, but he he uh, it, co-produced it with um, Kelly Marie Tran. Oh, nice! I like Kelly um, Marie Tran, which I had not realized. But Carlos, in between Blind Spotting and Summertime, directed Raya and the Last Dragon for Disney. Uh, yes, I knew that. I, I, I had that not film. made that connection because he's co-director there. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Which I'm guessing is where he met Kelly Marie Tran because she's the lead in that. You'd imagine so. Um, um, but so. Uh, when I got to watch this, there was a little intro video with him and, and Kelly talking about this project. And I was a little apprehensive because it, the whole premise of this movie is that it is um, a bunch of poets, uh, like uh, spoken word poets, uh, wrote poems. And then uh, loosely, there was a script 
assembled to kind of uh, knit these together slacker style. If you've ever seen Richard Linklater's film Slacker, uh, it's yep. a series of vignettes that are loosely connected. Like so, like a character will walk into a bar and the camera will decide to linger on a different table and then we'll stay with that character for a little while. And it just kind of moves through these characters as they kind of interwe- interweave in between each other's lives. But um, so I was just like, I, I wasn't sold on the premise. Not only is it amazing, um, I was I was moved so many times uh, to tears and at the same time I would be laughing seconds later because it's so real. It's so well done. Um, it does do that. It's very much like I, I actually didn't read the press copy before watching this. And then I went to write my review and I was writing about slacker. And then I went to the press copy. And I was like, Oh, they actually directly state that they were inspired by slacker. That's um, cool. And I only know slacker because of Kevin Smith. Uh, Kevin Smith attributes slacker in his autobiography as the film that inspired him to make clerks. It was the movie that said, I can make a movie like this. And um, so I went and found slacker because I was a big Kevin Smith fan. I was like, well, I got to see the movie that inspired my a hero of mine, someone who has inspired me in multiple areas of my life, including podcasting. Um, so I have a big connection to that film too. So like it was for me immediately, I caught that connection. And I think I actually think summertime does it better. I think it feels more like a movie than Slacker does. Slacker feels like a series of vignettes. And Linklater is a very unique filmmaker. I am a fan of a lot of his movies. I don't love all of them, but I I have come around on a lot of his stuff. And but Summertime, it it hit me in every way. It is about, you know, youth. It's about people trying to find their place. Uh, You know, some of the poems are very straightforward and and even kind of funny. there's one that's basically like a Yelp review and it's, it's, it's got a, a message behind it, but it's still like, it feels a little silly cause it's like a Yelp review, but then another one's like about bullying and one's about uh, finding your own sexuality. And it's just, there's, there's something for everyone. It's, it's really powerful. And the fact that every actor in the movie is the actual poet and not an actor. And yet mm-hmm. Carlos is able to get a performance out of them. Um, a few that are unbelievably moving I just, I was really blown away uh, with what this movie is. And it, to me, it speaks volumes about his style. It is, it's, he's, it's basically a spoken world, spoken word musical. Um, there's a lot of, you know, surreal kind of uh, elements to it that you would find in the, the musical genre, but it's spoken word, which obviously is part of blind spotting too. So there's just a little yeah. bit of everything. And I, I, I can't recommend this enough. It's supposed to be in theaters on Friday. I think it's going to be super limited it will probably be on VOD faster than a lot of other theatrical releases. So keep your eyes on Voodoo or iTunes or Google play and keep your eye open for summertime by directed by Carlos Estrada. Unfortunately, that name has a lot of content. There's so many things called summertime. So you really got to look for the one it's dated 2020 on letterbox. Um, I assume it was supposed to come out last year and just got delayed because of COVID. But I, I love this movie. Can't recommend it enough. I usually, we don't go into that much review for, or uh, what we've been watching, but I just, I got to hype this movie where I can, because this is going to be one like blind spotting where I'm going to shout from the mountaintops, please watch this. It's, it's brilliant. So I know you should never compare films and it's, it's wrong to do so. However, you, you, you did shout to the rooftops about blind spotting, which last John said, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor, give, give yourself the best few hours of your life you're going to have this month and check it out. Uh, how does it compare? Not, not necessarily, is it a better film, but you know, is it of comparable quality? Yeah, I would say it's a comparable quality. Dif- definitely going for something different, right? Like yeah. blind spotting has a message to deliver and they deliver it powerfully. Um, there are messages here. I think there's a lot of them. Um, 
but each person's is kind of thematic and it's a, there is a overall theme. Um, and I think it's there, but I still think that that message is a little more everyday life message versus like blind spotting is a very direct, like there's an issue we're we're pointing out the issue and we're attacking that issue. This is more like for general happiness and, and mental health. This is a, a way we should think about life kind of overall philosophy. So it's not, it doesn't not to take away. Cause I think that's important too, but it's not as like, there isn't the urgency not about immediately hard right. hitting or anything. Yeah. But, um, but still, uh, yeah, I think it's as well made. Um, I think blind spotting also has, I think the performances from David Diggs and Rafael Casal are at a caliber of a, I mean, David's obviously proven himself time and time again, right? Like he's uh, yeah. Hamilton and, and Snowpiercer, but um, Raphael hasn't had the opportunity, but I just think he's such a leading man in blind spotting um, that both of them deserve more jobs than they're getting in there. And both are getting work, but I yeah, think yeah. they like give these guys more stuff. They're, they're brilliant. Um, and I don't know. There's maybe one or two characters here who maybe have that star power, uh, but everyone does a really good job. Cause again, none of them are professional actors at this point. So like, I didn't feel that when I was watching the movie. I was like, oh, these are nobody. Like, I kept checking. I'm like, nope, they've never been anything. Nope, they've never been anything. And that's, I think, speaks volumes again about them, but also about the director, that he can pull a performance out of them, you know? Yep. Especially because their poems are very personal. And, you know, oh, man. Uh, there's, there's like, three poems that just <laughs> broke me. Uh, it's so good. Um, I can feel it coming through the microphone. So, that was the new watch. A lot of this other stuff is either things I've been meaning to watch or I've seen before. So, uh, I watched Twilight Breaking Dawn Part Two, dude. That mm. movie, man. Oh, Matt, that movie. Um, Go on, tell me you love it. There's a line in the movie <laughs> because Jacob uh, calls Bella's daughter Nessie, and she's like, "You nicknamed my daughter after the Loch Ness monster." And uh, I was like, "That's a line in the movie. That's a yeah. line." In I would have preferred it to be called Martha than any, yeah, even uh, than that. Um, it, it's super cheesy, uh, yet. Yet, very, very. It's hard to, to deny. It's it's entertaining, especially the last one. Um, there's it's there's a lot of like waiting around for things to happen, but once the stuff happens and there's like action sequences and stuff, it's kind of cool. And I gotta say, uh, a couple of characters. I won't say which characters die in case people care. But there, when some characters died, I was like upset and like surprised. Um, I don't know if you know the big twist at the end, but. I have seen these films, sadly. I oh. mean, I have seen them, sorry. Yep. So I, I do feel like the twist at the end's a little like, well, you made me go through all that and then that's, you just nah. take it away. Uh, but, um, I didn't know that was going to happen though, but I was still like, I still got wrapped up with some of the characters. I'm like, no. Oh, okay, fine. My um, brother loves those films uh, for his credit. He's a big fan of them. I, I, yeah, no. And I really soured on Taylor Lautner. I remember when I watched him the first time, I think I was just like, I was team Jacob just to be a jerk. Cause I think I knew Edward was going to get Bella. So I was just like, yeah, it's Jacob. And I'm watching him now. I'm like, Oh, what? Lawner's bad. Like, I don't, like he, especially after yeah. abduction. Uh, oof. Dude. But, um, I've been wanting to watch near dark, which is yeah. Catherine Bigelow's vampire film, uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. Cause like they did it on the, on blank check podcast a while back. And I'd listened to the episode, but it was like, you could not get the movie. It was not available. And it's on Shutter now. Uh, so I, I watched it the other night, and it's really good, man. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I think it's totally up your alley. But it's I got um, seen the note. Bill Paxton is uh, one of the vampires, and um, 
Hendrickson, uh, Bishop from Aliens, um, is like the lead bad vampire guy, and he's he's Hendrickson. He's great. He's uh, that dude looks like a robot. Well, um, see, he's just like an android this sounds awesome yeah that, but it's it's really good like i thought it was it was very it's an interesting kind of take on the vampire story not as twisted as like twilight it's more traditional uh but it's got it's definitely got some like it's like lost boys but much darker you know like mm-hmm. it's more like the the gritty motorcycle movie of, of vampire movies like that kind of vibe um rewatch the sandlot because it was a uh, fourth of july and mm-hmm. i needed yeah. it just that movie speaks to me Here's how I know I'm getting old, Matt. I've seen The Sandlot a lot, like so many times. I've never cried during The Sandlot until this view. <laughs> and <laughs> oh no, there were like three times where like nostalgia hit too hard, and I was just like, oh. Um, even like there's a part where he was just like uh-huh. talking about how Benny practices. Like Benny, that was his thing. Like everyone else was playing baseball to be together, but Benny was playing because that was his thing. And mm-hmm. I have a big. I'm all about people finding their passion and the thing that they care most about. And that hit me, and I was like, I've never cried during this movie. I've, I've teared up three times. It's just a sign I'm getting too old. Uh, everything's emotional <laughs> now. Um, but really like that. Uh, I, I always do. Even though it's a little more problematic than I remember with a few things. And I have a lot of questions about some things that it, when I used to watch it, it never would have occurred to me. Like like Benny the Jet Rodriguez, clearly Hispanic, the only Hispanic there. He pays for everyone to go to the fair. So... I'm very curious yeah. <laughs> about like, what's his family situation. He gives the kid all sorts of stuff. Like, you know, you know, what's that about? Like, I'm, I'm very curious because of the, the era too. Like I've never really placed exactly. It's, I've always just assumed the fifties, but I've never really like done the, 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 like walked it to figure it out. Like, is that when it is or whatnot? It's definitely got the nuclear family vibe kind of thing going. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm curious now how, how it holds up in terms of like historical uh, accuracy and things like that. Haven't d- dove into that. Um, I watched dead of night. Have you heard yeah. of this? Uh, I have heard of it. It's 1944. So about a month ago, I think Martin Scorsese did a top uh, horror movies and it was 11. He did 11 horror movies, which was for me like, why, why 11? Why not 10? But I guess he couldn't narrow it down to 10. And so I'm working through that list. I'd seen a, several of them are like obvious ones, but several I'd never heard of. Um, Dead of Night being one of them. I also just ordered, you might have saw my Instagram listener, uh, that I got a few Criterion movies. I got The Uninvited and the other one that he recommended. I can't think of The Innocence. That's what it's called, The Innocence. Uh, and so I got those because those are the only places you can see is on Criterion. So I ordered those. Dead of Night, I was able to uh, rent on Canopy. Again, that's the library service really cool movie um i was like not sure what it is it's also very vignette kind of thing where it's like this character tells their story and this character tells their story and so they're all initially disconnected but then they all kind of come together to make sense and it's this really interesting twist of a plot um i i wasn't quite sure how it was going to be a horror film and then it's like it almost has a uh, anthology vibe because of each, I don't, I, I, it would have been cool actually if it wasn't an actual anthology. It, it definitely inspires that style of like Cat's Eye, where all of the short stories are actually connected in one bigger uh, story, um, or like uh, the ghost stories that we both are big fans of. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I, I say check this movie out if you can get a hold of it. 1944, Fantastic Dead of Night. Uh, I won't get into this one as much, but um, I've, I've been working through the AFI top 100 list, uh, all, all the big lists. There's movies that I know I've needed to check off my list, and today I checked off Gone with the Wind. Oh, I've never heard of that. I know. It's a, it's an obscure <laughs> one. Uh, 
it's a movie that I, I, I had really no interest in watching because of the problematic nature of the film. And it is, there are definitely moments in this film where I'm like, Oh, this is awful. Like, you it's know, it's hard well. to like, what? Oh it's yeah. Long as well. To be fair, I threw it on while I was, I, I I'm uh, building a, like agenda for our students. Um, so I'm just doing, it's a lot of like busy work, you know, moving this. I, I'm not, yeah. I'm just designing it. I'm not actually like creating the content so much. So I'm just moving and reshaping things. So it's very mindless work. So I can do it with the movie on. So I threw gone with the wind on while I was working. And the uh, main reason why I, I, I've been, I've had access to this movie for years, right? Like I've, I've owned it for at least eight years, nine years. And I've just never bothered. Uh, one of my students last year, uh, gave me a gift at the end of the year. Um, and in the card said, you should definitely watch gone with the wind. He, he has an old soul. He's watched a lot more old movies than I have. And he, he just knows that's one of my big gaps. Right. So yep. I may, I was like, I'm going to watch it before school comes back. So that way, boom, I I've honored that, that request. And so I have, and, uh, it was better than I thought, to be honest. I liked it. I liked it more than I thought. Obviously it's a well-renowned film. So it's not like, Oh, my opinion Oof. here that it's good. Um, it's problematic for sure. But, uh, I definitely like the context of the iconic line, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand the context of that line. You know, I've always heard that line, but like seeing it in the film, I was like, yeah, man, same. Like what, you know, Scarlet <laughs> sucks. Like I had no idea <laughs> I was going to dislike Scarlet so much. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Vivian. But, um, but yeah, uh, it was, I, I was very impressed by it. Um, yep. All right. And then lastly, and last is not the order I saw this, but Matt, I believe you've also seen this movie. Uh, yes. Caught Fear Street, um, part one, 1994. Uh, I, I love the R.L. Stein Fear Street books as a kid. Mm-hmm. I realized with this movie, I don't remember any of them. I just remember loving to read them and uh, that I would get kind of scared, but I was always like into them still. Um and I read several, like they were quick reads. Like they were the type of book where you could get them in a day and read them in a day kind of thing. And, um, and yet I remember not a detail, could not tell you one story that I read from them. And I've been trying for like five days now to think of one, cannot do it. Just like they don't mm-hmm. exist in my brain. Um, but I really like this movie. I thought it was great. It's on Netflix. Uh, I definitely think everyone should check it out. I watched it because of you, you reminded me that it even came out and I was like, yeah, you know what? That sounds like a good call. I want to watch that. I know. I said to John, I said, he's, uh, he was bothering me. He said, what are you doing? Oh, why aren't you watching films? I said, I am. I'm watching Fear Street 1994 because uh, I too used to love the books of R.L. Star and I used to have all the Goosebumps books. Um, I used to have them all on my shelf when I was a kid and in chronological order, of course. Uh, and the I and I read the Fear Street books. So when I heard that they were doing, you know, uh, grown-up versions, if you will, R-rated versions, I thought, oh, great. And in the UK, they're actually, Fear Street 94 is an 18 rated film which again we don't really get that many 18 rated films i do struggle to work out why it was mine but um yeah i i dug it it's it's set in the night it's 1994 so it's it's proper 90s it's got that that 90s soundtrack which just bangs you on the head and won't ever let you forget that you're in the 90s but yeah hey it's not shy in taking influence and inspiration from other uh films of its of of the genre and of its style um and i had a good time with it like you did as well john it surprised me i'd heard it people quite enjoyed it but um i'm i was looking forward to the trilogy kind of the, the event kind of trilogy what they're releasing it every friday on netflix and it all connects and it's it's going to hopefully be great 
Um, but it's like that nostalgic vibe as well, being a kid again, going to read the R.L. Stein book, you know, the Stephen King for kiddies kind of thing. Um, and now to see it brought to the big screen was pretty cool. And the fact that it wasn't awful was 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 very uh, well received by me. Now, I had a, I had a yeah. very good time with it. I'm, I'm not going to say it's the best horror film I've seen this year. It may not be, that may not be but I had a damn good time with it, though. Yeah, um, it's not the. It's definitely high up on the list of horror yeah. films from this year, and uh, the the clear love of other horror films, and it and <laughs> that's we we talked about that briefly with um with uh, the the Conjuring mm-hmm. um, that he clearly pays homage, but it yes. feels more like a ripoff. Where this feels more like homage, like it's someone who studied but had their own thing to do, but like w- definitely wanted to make reference to horror films that came before and she's a relatively new filmmaker she did one movie before this she's done a few tv uh, including the scream uh, mtv series she did two episodes yes. of shout um, out to the director yep. but yeah she definitely uh came out swinging man like i was impressed especially for a netflix original we have reviewed a few on this podcast especially <laughs> over the last year because of covid and a lot of times we're not in, we're not into them um they just feel like you know like they feel like TV movies a lot of time, yeah. right? Like just something they, they threw in on the weekend. This feels like a movie that maybe could have, if it wasn't doing this weird, like three week release thing that makes it feel like a mini series, the movie's quality feels like a theatrical film that got dumped on Netflix, which is, oh, dude, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's again, I think saying a lot. So yeah, it's Lee, Lee Janiek was the director who uh, actually directed this. And yeah, you're right. This would be a blast to see. On, on the big screen, but at least we're getting it. And uh, I, I'm here for um, part two when it comes out in a few days time. So uh, was there anything else you caught up? My man was that all? Oh, that's it. I've, that's everything I've seen since the last time we recorded. Uh, you forgot fast and furious memes, but I'll, I'll let you off. Cause you oh, make yeah. those up top. But uh, mine is, um, I say shorter than John's, not much, but, uh, obviously catching up on the, uh, the soccer, the football tournament that's going on similar to what's, uh, the Copper America that's happening happening that side of the world. We've got the European Championships. England are still in it. By the time this goes out, England may be in the final. Um, and then by this time next week, we may have won it. But I'm not going to get too ahead of myself. But sitting here watching some some football, which is good fun. Uh, in terms of films and, and pop culture and what you lot have come to hear, um, mine has been more, for the most part, Fear Street aside and another film, has been you know kind of uh, films I've seen many times before and very much enjoy for different reasons um the uh, outsider to that is a film called villains which stars uh pennywise bill skarsgård and michael monroe it's kind of this strange quirky horror comedy which the trailer dropped well it dropped a year or so ago uh not 2019 i think it came out the trailer came out and i remember there's a bit of buzz around the trailer i remember going into work and a few people were saying how cool it looked but I haven't got around to watching it until this week. And, you know, I, it took me a while and I'm glad I didn't rush. It wasn't a bad film by any means. It was pretty good, quite funny, but the trailer was great and the film was good. Uh, so if, if, if you can catch villains, check it out. You might enjoy it, but beware. You, it, it does have that kind of quirky sense of humor. So if you're not into that kind of, uh, horror comedy you probably won't like this film but the performances are good um and then in terms of films which i've seen many times before you said uh, a couple of couple of days ago um we, we relinquished our hold many years ago well you won independence day uh, it was on <laughs> over here in the united kingdom uh, they played independence day the 96 film and i'm never not going to watch that when it's on 
it's naff, it's cheesy as hell, it's overblown, but goddamn, is it good? Come on, for me, I find it so it's so much mm-hmm. fun with that film. Um, we will not go quietly into the night. Come on, who doesn't get goosebumps with that speech? Um, you know, it's America saving the world again. It always happens, doesn't it, in the films? But man, I can get especially the British. Well, what 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 are the Americans going to do about it then? I can't be your own plan waiting for everyone else but um it's it's cheesy fun and i i i love independence day um harry potter and the philosopher's stone or the sorcerer's stone was on television on sunday night i think it was on monday night so i sat down and watched that from beginning to end as i you know i've said many times that the the young actors are fine in that first film and that's being generous but there's a there's a charm to that film which as we went on and they became more mature with their audience, something about watching that first film again, it's, there's a, like I say, there's a charm, there's a magic and there's this wondrous kind of vibe to it, which is exactly what they wanted going in. So it's a very, I do like the Harry Potter franchise and I've said before, I know people will argue with me about the chamber of secrets, but I think the Potter franchise is possibly the best franchise in terms of, uh, consistency. There's how many is eight films in that in that saga that series of films and not one of them is bad if you ask me no i, there I are don't tips. like i don't like chamber but i also don't hate chamber i just of the eight it's definitely my least That's favorite what I mean. and- yeah, it's the weakest but i still don't think it's a bad film mm. it's just in, comparatively now looking back you think oh actually that was a bump in the road but then well, how much of that goes down to the actual story the- itself best part of that book is cut out of the entire franchise which is Hermione learning about the house elves and starting the the uh the whole group to try to help the house elves the rebellion That's com- yeah it's completely cut out of the movie and thus the franchise because it is and that it has impact later on um unfortunately and to be fair chris columbus directs both the first and second and he is the most bland of the directors yeah. that are in the oh, franchise yeah. so yeah, well, I know I agree. Good, wonderful soundtrack, though, to uh, Chamber of Secrets. Oh, yeah. And um, La La Land. I watched La La Land last night because, uh, as John knows and as film fans know, you, you sit there sometimes and you, you look at your Blu-ray, DVD, whatever collection, you think nothing's jumping out. Even though you want to watch all of them, nothing jumps out. I went on to uh, over here, Sky Cinema and Sky and a movie channel. I was like, nothing's jumping out. And then when I clicked on Sky Cinema... Um, the the la la land was the first thing that came up big you know so they've obviously just got it on there because it's been on netflix for the last uh, three or four years so obviously sky have decided to show it as well so i was like do i want to watch it again i always want to watch it again i thought well let me look down the list at the other hundreds of films two minutes later right back up to the top of the list i fancy watching la la land so i sat there last night watched it danced along bobbed along got sucked in again pulled my eyes out again um Damn, I love that film. It's such a good film. And we will always debate about what should have won Best Picture that year, but technically there was no better film than that, technically speaking, as in like movie production, not technically me being uh, on my high horse. But I think it was the best-made film of the year. But Moonlight's a very deserving winner. Not going to open that can of beans. Uh, so uh, that's what I've been watching through, through no... Um, purpose of kind of like the comfort films almost but not for any real reason they just happen to be that way but i'm looking forward to seeing fear street part two this week and speaking about it next week so uh, that's what we've been watching again let us know what you guys have been checking out or if you've got any recommendations for us to watch or to avoid as well now we do this uh, show each week uh, and it comes with a certain level of pressure 
to be bloody awesome. We've called ourselves the Bloody Awesome Uber Podcast. John's bloody awesome, and I'm not too bad either. But we do have to maintain these high levels of bloody awesomeness. So, John, how have you been maintaining those levels this week? Well, I, I have two things on here because they, they neither of them took a lot of time. But um, we had a hurricane uh, warning. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm technically in the middle of a, a the outer bands of a tropical storm right now um, that is not noticeable <sighs> at the moment. Uh, but might be later on. We get a lot of rain. Uh, it's been raining for like three days uh, nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did want. I wanted to be prepared, and I was afraid because if you recall, a year ago, just over when the pandemic hit, we had the, the run on toilet paper. That was that was worldwide. Oh for yes, some reason. oh yeah, everyone very much so buying up toilet paper. Um, that happens Damn. in Florida every so often with hurricanes, where like you just can't get anything because people will panic buy. And it happened a couple months ago. There was a, a gas shortage. There wasn't a gas shortage in Florida, but Florida created the gas uh, shortage because people panic bought and mm-hmm. were filling up. Uh, there were memes of like people filling up Rubbermaid containers with gasoline and like plastic bags and just horrendously stupid things that I've never witnessed in, in my 39 years of life. And um, so I got worried that if I didn't buy hurricane supplies, I would mm-hmm. run into that issue where there would be none. So I went and I bought some canned food. Enough. I did not go crazy. I bought just enough that if we lost power for a few days, which we've had, I've dealt with now twice in my mm-hmm. life where we were out of power for three or four days, um, that we would have food to eat and it wouldn't go bad. Right. Like, and have candles and stuff like that. So I went and I bought, uh, some things. Um, it looks like we're going to be okay with this one. This one looks like it's, it's become just a tropical storm, which is still potentially bad, but, less likely to do severe damage to like a category five hurricane or something like that. So um, fingers crossed that that stays true. Cause you never know with hurricanes. Uh, but um, with that, also uh, July uh, marks the, the first of two criterion sales at Barnes and Noble, which is 50% off. And this year, Amazon is matching all of the pricing. So if you have Amazon prime, you can get uh, the same price criterion, but with two day delivery, you know, as you normally would get with Prime, um, which is what I ended up doing. But I, I've bought three, and I think that probably will do it for me. I might buy a couple more uh, in the middle of the month when I get my second paycheck. Um, but uh, I got Memoirs of a Murder, uh, the John, uh, Bong Joon-ho film that I've been mm-hmm. wanting to see. It was just released on Criterion earlier this year, and I've been waiting for this sale to buy it. Um, I, and I mentioned I got The uh, the Innocence and The Uninvited because of Martin Scorsese. Um, there's a lot of Criterion movies that I would really, really like to buy. Some that I already own, like I really want to get the Do the Right Thing Criterion Blu-ray. Um, I love the box art on it, and it's got some cool special features. I own the Blu-ray, the like the original Blu-ray, but Criterion is just always a little better quality. You get a b- lot of cool little features, and I'm I'm such a fan of that movie. Um, like last year, I bought the Bruce Lee box set that they released, and that was totally worth it because uh, it's all of his movies, and um, it's the Criterion print. There's tons of stuff with them. It's just it's awesome. Uh, so. If you're a fan of like physical media, Criterion's Criterion and Arrow are, are among the best two uh, producers of uh, physical media right now. So um, it's on sale, half off, which just makes them regular price Blu-rays because usually they're like forty dollars <laughs> a piece. Now they're twenty dollars <laughs> a piece, but uh, yeah, um, it's a good time to, to buy, and uh, there's some great ones out there uh, for sure. And it's John's birthday coming up in the next month or so. It is. So, you know, Criterion sale. It's that time of year again. I do have a list if anyone's interested. Uh, <laughs> I can throw out there. Um, you should have a letterbox list. John's birthday wish list. 
I, I should or I should actually probably promote my Amazon wish list, but one day, one day I'll actually do that. But stick it um, up there, man. I do have some uh, Akira Kurosawa films I really want to snag, um, uh, like Throne of Blood and Hidden Fortress um, are two of them Oops, that I want to get. Star Wars. Oh no, Hidden Fortress. Yep. Um, yep. And Macbeth for Throne of Blood. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Kurosawa, well, Kurosawa's American film influenced Japanese film, which then went back and influenced its American film. It's a wonderful kind of poet, poetic Cycle. circle there. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, well, that is uh, the first one. Hopefully, nothing comes of that. The the tropical storm. Hopefully, everything is fine. Criterion Collection, boss. Um, for myself, I have been geeking out this weekend, local, and I've been. Well, the headline should really have been. Uh, supporting local business, uh, which is what I was doing. Uh, a geek shop called Nerd Base, which is probably the best independent geek shop in the United Kingdom, um, is just around the corner in Essex. Uh, fabulous, fabulous, fabulous sh- um, trove with pop culture figures, uh, models, comics, a- anything you can imagine. It's there. It's wonderful, and it blows the um corporate what versions out of the water and i generally genuinely mean that um they had a star wars weekend so they had um uh, money off the star wars figures they had cosplayers from the local cosplay scene which were brilliant um they had some of the kind of background actors or tertiary actors turn up uh, to sign for the fans and have pictures and that um and and then a lot of star wars fans like myself and the sessions we went there to cover it and uh, give them some exposure and we brought a lot of people up as well who we know spent quite a bit of money in the shop. So, um, spend the weekend kind of just geeking out in a galaxy far, far away with good people, great local business. And, um, I, I know you're the same as well, but I think it's important, especially in the times we've had to, uh, to support local business. If they're obviously, as long as they're uh, worth, worth, worth supporting, of course, but, um, it's something like a nerd base. Absolutely is. It's, it's exactly what, uh, someone like uh, me wants, you know, the stuff they sell is unreal, really is. Uh, and, you know, you don't see many of the, I don't see too many of these around. Uh, independently owned uh, pop culture stores. I've seen lots of very good ones, which are franchises or um, or they have more, they have flashier uh, shop fronts and whatever, but inside is a bit hollow. Nerdbase wins all hands down it's in a place called battles bridge in essex if you can make it i highly recommend it one of the guys came down from wales which is about a five hour journey just for the day and went back again just to check out the event oh, and, um, and that so geeking out and supporting local business is how i've been staying bloody awesome and i'll be going back again next month to buy a ton of stuff when the paycheck clears so um, my man cave is going to grow exponentially become a, a little mini book cave so um that's why i've been staying bloody awesome so uh uh, and that does conclude this week's episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, where we spoke about the Forever Purge. Keep your eyes out for the spoiler mini-sode, which will be dropping in the next few days. However, next week, uh, we're, we're dropping our review of one of the big releases of the year. It's a Marvel film. So it's always going to be big. Black Widow. It's, come, it's been out now for a few days. We're going to be watching it in the next few days and dropping our thoughts next week. Can't wait to hear what JB thinks of that one. Um, but if you want to hear more from us, you can do. You can follow us on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. We're on Instagram, John. Where can they find us? They can find us at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And if you're on Facebook still and you want to find us, we're on there, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. If you want to find me, you can, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, and just search what I watch tonight across 
yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and you'll find me there. And if you want to find and hear John, where can they? At BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Mm. I'll have a sip of tea for that. And if you like what you've just heard, please consider rating uh, us five stars on your podcast provider of choice with a positive review always helps. Or if you know somebody who just likes film discussion uh, and you think they'd like to check us out, please do consider sharing us or recommending us. It gets more people listening and we're all film fans. So let's be, let's all be in this together. However, with that being said, as always stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blah, 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 bl